Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is December 2023, as once again that very special time in the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, so, dear listener, uh, if you're not familiar uh, with the format of today's program, uh, essentially what I'm going to be doing here today uh, is just taking a look at the physical media uh, release date calendar. Uh, so that would be movies on DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. Uh, and just uh, say a little something about um, whatever titles catch my eye for whatever reason. So, uh, if you'd like to follow along with the home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, uh, you can do so by navigating to the lovely website of blu-ray.com and just head to the release date page uh, and then scroll down to the December 2023 section. Uh, so also, if you're not familiar um, with how physical media releases generally occur on the calendar, they generally drop on Tuesdays of each calendar week. Uh, so I'll be sure to call out the release dates as I go, uh, just in case you're interested. Um, by the way, it is 5.30 in the morning, and I'm here reviewing Blu-rays uh, with myself uh, and by myself. <laughs> um, so I apologize if I speak in a hushed tone or in a hurried tone, because uh, I'm trying not to wake up the girlfriend. Uh, so let's take a look at this calendar here, and it looks like our first major release date uh, occurs on December 5th of 2023, uh, and Blu-ray.com tends to arrange uh, their releases um, with the 4K titles put up, put up front, uh, so from week to week I'll more than likely be calling those out first, uh, and this week is no exception. Uh, so the first major title we have released on December 5th is uh, James Cameron's Titanic, and uh, this is a, a Titanic release. Um, this is kind of a, a big fucking deal uh, among, you know, collecting circles and whatnot. In fact, I'm, it's kind of neat. They actually put on the cover uh, first time on 4K Ultra HD. Um, this, is, this is a movie you would have expected to debut on the format a long time ago, but uh, no, uh, this is the first time we're getting this movie on 4K in a physical format. Um, and I only took a peek, like I didn't like read, I didn't pour over it. Um, but the review on blu-ray.com suggests that this is a, a truly exceptional, uh, 4k disc. Apparently it's like a, a straight banger. Like it's a five out of five and then some, uh, in terms of image quality, um, which is kind of surprising, uh, being as, as some of, uh, James Cameron's other films, like more specifically, Terminator 2, and uh, lately there have been rumblings that, um, I, not The Abyss. The Abyss, I've heard, is quite good uh, in terms of image quality on, on physical media. But um, True Lies, I've been hearing rumblings that uh, the DNR on that one, the digital noise reduction uh, imposed on that uh, disc, are, uh, it's, it's out of control. <laughs> I've, I've seen some screenshots from it. I don't know how legit they are. Um, but it does look like a like a Terminator all over, Terminator Two uh, all over again or something. Uh, thankfully, that does not seem to be the case. Uh, with uh, as far as I know, the Avatar films, uh, and now Titanic, and also the Abyss I've heard, uh, which came out very recently. Uh, 
I've heard that disc is also quite beautiful. Um, but yeah, Titanic is a big fucking deal disc. Uh, I will be getting this at some point. Um, not in the biggest of hurries, but uh, I quite like this movie. I've seen it a handful of times, um, as is pretty common for people in my age range. Um, of course, I had my phase when I was very young, where just for whatever reason, I didn't particularly like Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I've since grown out of that phase. I've become an adult. Um, and yeah, as a, on the whole, I think Titanic is a very good film. I think it has that that it has that like magical balance of giving almost anyone that could bother to go see it it enough to feel satisfied. So it's like if you're not particularly interested in the sinking of the ship, you have quite a lot of prelude to that to to tide you over. Or if if you're only there for the sinking of the ship. It's a pretty long fucking movie. It occupies enough of the screen time of the movie, um, and the effects work are so incredible for, especially for its time. Um, like, there's so many different styles of effects incorporated in the film that are all executed to such a high degree of quality that it's like, if you're just there for the lights with sound aspect of it, it's got that too. Um, so yeah, I. I I'm one of those people that likes Titanic. I don't know if that's a really common thing these days, but it, it was the movie that um, it conquered the world. Like it, it, it made James Cameron king of the world again. Um, it, it really is one of those movies that's cultural footprint, um, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, uh, especially internationally, uh, it is massive. Um, anyway, uh, moving on, uh, we have a movie that I... <laughs> I would not call a contemporary classic. Uh, we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, so this is directed by James Mangold. And this is the only Indiana Jones film to date anyway. I, I hope they're done. Uh, <laughs> that has not been directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, I did go see this in the theater uh, with the girlfriend. Um, and it was all right. Um, that That's my very succinct review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It was all right. Like, I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was an embarrassment. At times, I was unsure if it needed to, like, if it warranted its own existence, like, if like if it justified it. Because um, there's some very, very interesting themes going on with the story, not something you would expect to say about an Indiana Jones movie. Traditionally, that's not why I put on an Indiana Jones movie. But given the advanced age of both the character and the actor, I think that's basically the only route you can take is to, you know, lean into the thematic content, lean into the character work in a, in a series, again, that you generally don't think of that being the selling point of it in the first place. Um, but I, I don't think they did quite enough with some of those themes. Quite a lot of the movie has to do with talking about the age of the character and his place in the world and whatnot and they talk about it but they i don't think they dug quite deep enough uh, there was an opportunity but I, I don't i don't think they shot for the moon with it it's fine um i you know i'll, I'll own it at some point but uh, like i i look at the cover right now and i'm like Mrr. like not in the biggest of hurry it, it Indiana Jones is precious to me, and, and unfortunately, it, it kind of hurts to call an Indiana Jones movie just all, all right. 
Like that, that feels bad to me. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, Point Break on 4K. Uh, this comes to us from Shout Select uh, via Shout Factory. By the way, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, apparently a 5 out of 5 in both audio and visual scores on Blu-ray.com. So at least it got that right. Um, Point Break it comes to us from, funny enough, uh, James Cameron's uh, ex-wife, Catherine Bigelow. Um, Kyle, my uh, my regular co-host on Catching Up on Cinema, uh, he's a big fan of this one. Uh, I had not seen this one until, I don't know, four or five years ago or so, uh, at the urging of Kyle. Um, and it, <laughs> I don't know if I watched it wrong or something, but it, it didn't quite click with me. Like I, I found myself wanting more out of it. Um, but I do know this is a beloved film. Uh, Kyle likes it quite a lot. A lot of people around me really, really like it. Um, didn't didn't knock my socks off. I'll be, I'll be totally honest. Uh, it's got some great memeable moments for sure. And Swayze and Keanu Reeves are, you know, looking pretty good in 1991. But uh, yeah, not not my not my favorite film. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, needless to say, I'm not going to be owning this anytime soon, um, but I do expect Kyle and I will probably review it for the podcast at some point. It, it just should happen. Like it, it really, I'm surprised it hasn't already. Maybe it has. We've been doing this for a really long time. Maybe I've, I completely forgot we did do a full-length review of it. <laughs> Meatball Sub, Utah, two of them. Uh, quote from Gary Busey in that film. One of my favorite moments. Um, Moving right along, though, we have uh, Silver Bullet uh, coming to us on 4K. Uh, I don't know if this has been previously released on the format. It doesn't look like it. I do know there was a Blu-ray earlier, uh, but this comes to us from Scream Factory. And this is, of course, a uh, Stephen King adaptation. It's based on a short story, uh, short-ish, like decent-length short story uh, called Cycle of the Werewolf. Um, which I actually uh, had access to and read when I was pretty young. Um, my brother had it, and the copy he had, I don't know if this is every copy of Cycle of the Werewolf, but the copy my older brother had um, was in like a, not a prestige format, I'm thinking about comic book terms, excuse me, but like a, a large format soft cover book uh, that had uh, art. It had uh, like a a, a hand-drawn uh, illustrated page uh, for each chapter and it usually depicted uh, the the werewolf it is a werewolf film uh, fucking somebody up um and largely because of the art like when i was a, when i was a little kid um i gravitated to it uh, and I, I did actually read that one when i was pretty young um i don't think i found out there was a movie adaptation of it that was made in 1985 two years before i was born uh, until a little bit later, like several years down the line. Um, but when I found out, of course, I, I went back and I, I gobbled it up. I watched it. I had a good time with it. Uh, Silver Bullet is not like a straight classic by any means, but it is a fun mid-80s, like just, just a fun little horror movie. Uh, not much of a horror movie, honestly. Not particularly horrific, but it has a really cool atmosphere to it. Um, you kind of had to have been there to appreciate it, I guess. Um, on top of that, you get, you know, Corey Haim, uh, in a rocket powered wheelchair and Gary Busey, uh, <laughs> another Gary Busey film, uh, being the craziest uncle you've seen on, on film, uh, this side of uncle Buck. Uh, 
Yeah, I like Silver Bullet. Oh, oh yeah, and Everett McGill's in there as well. Um, as as a, I don't know he gets to do a lot of things in the movie. I won't say much more than that. But um, yeah, I would love to watch this movie again. I I generally don't buy horror films, um, but I like this one quite a lot. Uh, I don't again. I, I wouldn't call it a classic by any means, but I like it. It's fun. Um, beside that, though, we have a 4K release of Young Guns. This comes to us from Lionsgate Films. You can kind of tell just based on the cover art. And uh, this is one that I haven't seen. Uh, I know this movie has quite a lot of fans. Um, and I think a lot of it probably comes down to the cast. Like, regardless of the quality of the film, I have to assume just based on the cast, like, probably it probably attracted an audience. Uh, so just to go over real quick, um, came out in 1988, stars Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen. So we got two Sheens in there. Maybe there's a third. Uh, and Dermot Mulroney. And it looks like just by scrolling down to one of the screen captures, uh, Jack Palance uh, is in there, presumably as a villain, because that's what Jack Palance does. <laughs> um, I would love to see this movie. Uh, I'm not going to blind buy it by any means, but um, I do know it has at least one sequel, and it does seem to have a fan base. And I like quite a lot of those people, like quite a lot of those names that I rattled off. So, yeah, Young Guns is one that I would definitely check out. Uh, looks like it got pretty high scores in terms of audiovisual quality on uh, 4K as well. Uh, we have our first Criterion uh, release for the month of December. And it comes in the form of a 4K release of Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven. And it looks like it got a 5 out of 5 in terms of image quality. I'll just read the plot summary here, being as I'm familiar with Terrence Malick, but not this film specifically, which came out in 1978, by the way. Um, in 1910, a Chicago steelworker accidentally kills his supervisor, and he, his girlfriend, and his little sister flee to the Texas Panhandle, where they find work harvesting wheat in the fields of a stoic farmer. Uh, sounds contemplative. Uh, some of these screenshots, though, uh, lovely compositions, as far as I can tell. Um, obviously not one that I'm going to be picking up. Uh, like, I'm not going to be blind buying this, but uh, Terrence Malick, is, he is a name brand. Uh, there's quite a lot of people out there who appreciate his work, uh, so I'm sure there's quite a few people who will be grabbing this ASAP. Um, by the way, it does look like there is a super-duper special edition of the Titanic 4K as well. Um, we have uh, the color purple uh, coming to us on 4K from director Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Um, interesting timing, uh, being as uh, this, I believe, was remade, or at least a movie of the same title, uh, very recently came out or is currently being advertised anyway. Uh, it looks like it got a 4.5 out of 5. I have heard very good things about this film, um, but it is a Spielberg that I have not seen. Um, I, I tend to stick to like the action genre when it comes to my, uh, my purchases. Um, so buying a straight drama is not something I do unless it's like a very precious film to me. Uh, so I probably won't be buying this one, um, but it is pretty cool that it, it's being put out on 4K and apparently was handled very well uh, on the meet, on the format. Um, 
Looks like we have a uh, complete series release of Babylon 5. Uh, Noah Antweiler, The Spoonie One, is probably uh, excited about that on Blu-ray. Uh, we have another Criterion release in the form of Blast of Silence from 1961. I'm just going to blow past it, but I will say that I read the um, plot summary of that one, and it did sound very intriguing. I might have to get to that one eventually. Um... And it looks like we have a bunch of strange, like a strange hodgepodge of just stuff <laughs> for the remainder of the week. Um, so I will point out that uh, both of the Breakin' films are being put out by Sandpiper Pictures uh, on Blu-ray. Uh, so that would be Breakin' and Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo. Um, now I haven't seen these films, but of course we all know that Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo is perhaps the greatest subtitle to a sequel ever conceived. Um, and I do know that uh, what little I do know about these movies is that um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, during his early days when he was working for the Canon Film Group, uh, does have, uh, you can't call it a cameo really, because he wasn't a known property at the time. He wasn't a known quantity at the time, but um, he is a background dancer. Like he's just gathered in a in a circle around some of the actual dancers in the film uh, just kind of clapping his hands and wiggling his <laughs> wiggling his chest in the background of one of these films uh, it's it's a truly amazing gif uh, all you have to do is well actually no that would be pretty hard if you looked up van damme dancing in gif form you're gonna find a lot of gifs that man loves to dance um but yeah he he is in the background of one of the break-in films um I think I'm going to call it quits on this week of December. Uh, nothing else is jumping out and catching my eye. So let's bop on down uh, to the next week. So that'd be December 12th, 2023. Um, and if we see that uh, we kick things off on December 12th um, and we see that uh, Disney is continuing their trend of putting out physical uh, steelbook versions of some of their Disney Plus content. Um, so we've been seeing that. I, I believe this kind of started with um, WandaVision uh, and perhaps The Mandalorian, but it uh, looks like the newest one we have here is uh, The Mandalorian. Oh, excuse me. Both the first and second season of The Mandalorian are coming to 4K. This, this is from 2019 and 2020, respectively. Have not seen The Mandalorian. Have been told that the first season, just the first season, uh, it could be some of the best Star Wars stuff that exists. Uh, I've heard uh, it's been given high praise uh, by people I trust. Um, I've been urged to check it out. And I know the girlfriend would love to watch it because she, to quote her on one of our early dates, I fucking love Star Wars. <laughs> um, so I bet she would have a good time with this. I'd be open to giving it a shot although it has been really interesting seeing like acting as an outside observer and watching the uh the fan reactions to to like the more recent star wars content it seems like people are starting to sour on the property a little bit um but for what's worth i have heard this first season of the mandalorian is special it's very very good um Next to that, though, we have Clue uh, coming to us on 4K. This film came out in 1985, and this is brought to us by uh, Shout Factory. It comes to us from director Jonathan Lynn, 
And I'll just rattle off the cast list that they have listed here. We have Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, Eileen Brennan, Michael McKean, Colleen Camp, and Leslie Ann Warren. And that's just the people they listed. Um, but producers, uh, we got John Landis and John Peters in there. We have <laughs> the man who who batted the Batman. Um, holy shit. Uh, a lot of people love Clue. Uh, my buddy Kyle, uh, my regular co-host on the podcast, uh, he's a big fan as well. Um, I have not seen Clue, but I would very much like to. Uh, the, the sense of humor sounds like it might really, really work for me. I like a lot of the people in the cast, uh, in particular Tim Curry, because we all love Tim Curry. I uh, hope you're doing well, Tim Curry. Uh, not going to be blind buying this one, uh, as I, I, I sound like such a dick saying this, but I don't generally buy comedies. Like I, I don't like to laugh in my own home. <laughs> That's not true at all. It's just it's just a aspect of my collection. I, I don't own that many comedies unless they're like very specifically like important to me. Um, so this is not one that I'm going to be picking up, but it exists on 4K now, and I it's popped onto my radar once again. Uh, very much interested in checking it out. Beside that, though, we do have a 4K, uh, finally, I guess, uh, that I will be picking up, uh, because this is a movie that, for like warts and all, uh, is precious to me. Uh, we have Face Off, Face Slash Off, uh, coming to us uh, from Kino Lorber. Uh, and this came out in 1997 when I was 10 years old. Uh, and, uh, this, this, this movie was like a gateway drug for me, uh, for, for John Woo, uh, for R rated action cinema in general. Um, big fucking deal movie for me and maybe some other people like some of my other contemporaries. Uh, yeah, I remember my parents saw this in like a double feature at a drive-in on like a date night or something. And they said good things about it. I would not see it for another at least two years, I have to assume. Uh, but when I did, uh, it, it blew my mind. Uh, Face Off worked for me uh, in too many ways. I fucking love Face Off. Uh, I, I really love this movie. Um, and I actually remember them announcing this 4K a very long time ago, like perhaps a year ago. And I don't know what happened, like the, if there was a rights issue or something, but I, I just remember it quietly disappearing from the release calendar. So I've had it like bookmarked as, as like as like part of a wish list for, for, for a very long time. And I was just like, is, is this ever going to happen? And, and it happened. Um, so yeah, this is definitely one that I'm going to be picking up. I really, really love this movie. I know it frontwards and backwards, but I only own it on DVD. And I haven't watched it in a really long time. So this is one that you better fucking believe I'm going to sit the girlfriend down and make her watch this shit. It's like, you're going to watch this shit. And you're probably going to hate it. But I'm going to love it. And, you know, if, 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 you, really, if you really love me, you will watch this shitty movie with me. Uh, so we'll see how that goes down. Um, beside that absolute fucking banger classic face-off, though, we have uh, another Disney release. Uh, Disney Buena Vista, uh, to be more specific, a release of uh, The Creator coming to us on 4K, uh, and it looks like it got a 5 out of 5 in terms of image and audio quality. Um, this is one that I had bookmarked as a as a potential blind purchase, um, because I it got some good word of mouth during its theatrical run from people that I trust. <laughs> 
Um, and it's directed by Gareth Edwards, who of course gave us the 2014 Godzilla film. And before that, um, well, no, after that Rogue One, but before all of that, he did a little film called Monsters, which he famously like edited on a laptop and did, I believe, all the compositing and special effects work himself. Um, that's kind of what got him the Godzilla gig, uh, the 2014 Godzilla gig. I did see Monsters. It, it was pretty good for what it was. I do think he's a very talented director. However, <laughs> I do not think this is a very good film. <laughs> um, I watched this on Hulu uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, this was the movie that the girlfriend wanted to watch. Like I was like floating Christmas movies and whatnot. I was like, you want to watch something Christmassy? We haven't done that at all the whole month and stuff. And she's like, no, I want to watch The Creator because it's on Hulu and I need to see this movie. Uh, she's really into like sci-fi um, and science in general. Like she, both of those things, like she actually knows a lot and is very passionate about. Uh, so this movie checked a lot of boxes for her going in. Uh, I was very interested too, so of course, you know, I was like, "Yeah, sure, let's watch it. Let's let it doesn't matter what day. Let's let's give it a shot." Uh, but yeah, it just did not work for me. <laughs> like, to me, I feel the same way about the creator that I do about Neil Blomkamp's Elysium from, I believe, precisely t- ten years ago. Like it's the 2020s Elysium to me, and what I mean by that is. Elysium looks amazing. Uh, the production design, the the aesthetic of that film is so tangible and wonderful to look at if you're into that kind of like grungier, more lived-in sci-fi kind of vibe. It has so much cool stuff. Like there's so many cool props and little little like sci-fi concepts that do very little to aid the narrative. It's just kind of like fluff, I guess. But the the narrative is just so base and and flat where it's like both movies the, the elysium and the creator they both have these really incredible ideas that they lay out on the table for you the viewer to you know start to ponder on but the films themselves i i feel don't have a whole lot to say about any of those things they just kind of present it in front of you and if you get enraptured by the audiovisual aspect of it, or you know, especially in the case of the creator, the the emotionality, then you know you can, I guess, trick yourself into believing that it was a it was a very very deep film that had a lot of important messaging or something. But it's like I I don't think that's actually the case. I, th- I think they just started from an interesting place, but didn't really take it anywhere. They just kind of laid it out in front of you. Um, felt kind of the same way with Elysium where it's like, I mean, wow, those are kind of interesting ideas. Oh, okay. We're just, we're just going to run around and we'll fart around for quite a lot of it. And then eventually people will get shot because it's a Neil Blomkamp movie. And that's what happens in Neil Blomkamp movies. Minus Gran Turismo, I hope. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, the creator was kind of a disappointment. Absolutely beautiful to look at. And from a production standpoint, it is really fascinating what they were able to achieve with what was apparently a fairly limited budget by you know by hollywood standards anyway uh, so it, perhaps it does set a bit of a precedent for what can be achieved with lower cost productions like more resourceful productions um but in terms of it, its narrative quality i was just like i i'm not engaged like that that's like the the 
cardinal sin for a film for my buddy Kyle. Like if, if it does not grab him, he can't, he just cannot be bothered to care. So I'm curious if he's seen this one. I'll have to ask because I actually don't know. Um, anyway, enough bashing the creator. Let's move on to uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio uh, coming to us on 4K. Uh, I really love this cover art. It's very painterly. It looks like I, I'm going to show my ass here and say that um, is that Art Nouveau I'm looking at, the style here? Um, anyway, uh, this comes to us from director, uh, co-director uh, Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafson. Um, this is a stop-motion animated film that I believe was released on Netflix in 2022. Uh, I have not seen it, but again, damn, big month for high-quality 4Ks. A 5 out of 5 in every category on Blu-ray.com have not seen this one, but I know it kind of shocked some people um, when uh, Guillermo del Toro stated that he would exclusively be working in animation going forward. I think that caught some people off guard. Um, this movie, I, I want to say, was underseen. Like, it got a lot of critical acclaim, um, both from critics in the Academy and whatnot, but I don't know many people that I've actually talked to the the seen in um i'd like to just because stop motion fascinates me it is a medium that that works for me i am intrigued by it as an art form um but i haven't seen it uh, i'm not going to be blind buying it or anything being as the girlfriend does have access to a netflix account um but i i continually think about it and consider visiting it someday um next to that we have the whaling uh, coming to us on 4K. Uh, this was previous released. This was previously released on Blu-ray many years ago. Uh, this came out in 2016. This is a South Korean film. Uh, four and a half out of five in terms of image quality. Um, I actually own this one, and I lent it uh, to my buddy Kyle, uh, and he, I think, liked it more than I did. Uh, I'm not going to say much about the film, being as one, I don't remember it very well, and two, it's probably a much more satisfying experience to just kind of wander into this one because uh, it, it goes some not like off the wall crazy directions but it it does keep you guessing quite a lot of through quite a lot of its runtime uh like a lot of korean films very very fascinating to look at like like really cool imagery throughout the whole film uh shot beautifully is what i'm saying um but yeah, if I'm being honest, I think even though I'm the one who owns it, I think Kyle actually appreciated this one a little bit more than I did. Um, maybe, perhaps I need to rewatch it. I'm not going to upgrade to 4K by any means, but I do think about it from time to time, and I, I am curious if maybe maybe I was distracted or something when I first watched it. Um, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles colon Mutant Mayhem coming to us on 4K. Uh, this is from 2023, so this is a contemporary release. comes to us from Paramount Pictures and is directed by Jeff Rowe and Kyle Spears. Um, and as far as I understand, it uh, has a voice cast for the ages. Uh, it's like anybody who's ever talked to, to any of the people involved in the production, basically. <laughs> uh, they called in a lot of favors, is what I'm saying. Um, I was just talking to my buddy Brad uh, from the Cinema Speak podcast last night about this one, and uh, he quite liked this. Uh, he had a lot of fun with it. He even got it as a gift, this this 4K, uh, for Christmas. Uh, so congrats to him. Uh, I've heard it's really, really great. Um, unfortunately, it got 
overshadowed, I think, by the fairly recent release of the uh, Spider-Man uh, Spider-Verse sequel. I can't remember the titles for those fucking movies. <laughs> um, but point is, there was a there was another CGI animated film with not a similar style, but also with an offbeat uh, like presentation to its animation um, that came out not too far from that one and brad's theory and i think it's correct is that this one kind of went under went unappreciated or underappreciated as a result um i think it'll find its audience um because it, it did get good reviews from everybody like all the critics that i follow that, that paid attention to it a lot of good things were said about it I don't know what the box office return was, but uh, I've heard really good things, and I would really like to check it out. Uh, we have on 4K uh, the weird colon the Al Yankovic story. Uh, this is a, a fun like musician biopic film that I've I've heard they have fun with the trappings of that genre. In that you know it's about a, a parody a music parody musician like a parody musical artist. Um, and as far as I understand, the presentation of the movie takes that approach with conveying his, that, like Al Yankovic's actual life story. So that's a clever concept on paper. Um, I apologize. I'm actually struggling to remember where this movie debuted, but I do remember that this was a very unusual release for a film. Uh, it came out on not even a streaming service it it came out on a very like a very strange esoteric um location i I don't even know how to phrase it or something but it wasn't i don't think it was tubi but it was something along those lines where it was like hang on what do the do they even make movies (laughs) oh i'm guessing i'm not looking it up i'm just guessing so again this is me speaking directly out of my asshole roku I think it was like a, the Roku service or network or something. I could be wrong on that. Anyway, that that's where it debuted, which was very offbeat, very unusual. Um, but I have heard very good things about it. Um, and I like Al Yankovic's music. I was raised on it. <laughs> like, I was born in 87, but, like, my brother had several of his CDs growing up. Like, in particular, the, the Food album. Um <laughs> And of course, uh, Dare to be Stupid is featured in the Transformers movie from 1986. Uh, so of course it was, you know, something that got played in my house uh, as, as a child constantly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I like, I like Al Yankovic and I would very much like to watch this. Stars Daniel Radcliffe, by the way. Um, we have a 4K release of another uh, Korean film that's been out for a long time. Uh, so this came out in 2010. This is The Man from Nowhere. Uh, this is a, a fun, like, kidnapping slash uh, action thriller. Kind of similar to, I guess, like, Taken or something. Um, I own this on Blu-ray. I've seen it a couple of times. Uh, it's a little bit uneven, but um, when when the fireworks start going off, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Some of the better knife fighting you'll see on film. Uh, yeah, uh, recommend it if you're into movies of that nature and knife fighting (laughs) uh that's all i'll say about that i'll just move on um we have uh the long arm of the law colon parts one and two so this is coming to us from 88 films Uh, we are fans of 88 films here at catching up on cinema 
they do fantastic work in their releasing of uh, Hong Kong cinema. Uh, I own a handful of their releases. Um, I am actually surprisingly not familiar with Long Arm of the Law, um, but I have seen a couple of clips from these movies, um, and I would consider them for blind purchases. Uh, I, I would. Moving right along, though, uh, we have Dumb Money coming to us on Blu-ray. This comes to us from Sony Pictures. Five out of five in terms of image quality. That's cool. Uh, stars Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, Vincent D'Onofrio, America Ferreira, and uh, Nick Offerman's in there as well. Um, this is about the uh, the GameStop, uh, the Stonk Wars, uh, the GameStop uh, stock situation from only a couple years ago uh, so they must have hustled to get this movie put out um my brother uh was following that situation he was kind of the one that was telling me what was going on um it's very fascinating stuff i still i still have a lot of trouble wrapping my head around it so maybe i maybe this movie is made for people like me who are too dumb to to grasp what what that was all about I've tried. I really have. I have applied myself, and I have tried to read up on it, but it's parts of it still elude me. Um, I like Paul Dano. I have seen clips of the gentleman that he, like the real-life YouTuber that he's portraying in this film, um, and I do think he was a very good choice. Like something about his temperament and his speech pattern when he's subdued, Paul Dano. Because there's two Paul Danos. There, there's that where he's like really soft, you know, and he's very meek. But then there's uh, there will be blood Paul Dano where he's just like screaming his lungs out. <laughs> like sounds like he's going to hack up a lung or something. Uh, if you do the former Paul Dano for this movie, that'll work. Um, yeah, I would check this out. Now I'm going to be buying it. But if it's available anywhere for free, I, I might actually click that on and, and give it a watch just to take another shot at trying to understand that whole situation. Maybe I, maybe this is exactly what I need. So a, a dumb money movie to explain it to me. Um, beside that, we have The Red Balloon and Other Stories, colon, five films by uh, Albert or Albert Lamoris. Um, I'm sure I completely fucked that up, uh, the pronunciation that is. I, I Unlike Bruce Campbell, I am not French. Um, the Red Balloon. Uh, I have seen The Red Balloon a few times. Uh, for some reason, I, I can't speak for other people like my contemporaries in the public school system, but for some reason, uh, quite a few teachers when I was growing up felt the need to exhibit The Red Balloon to us kids. Um, so I have seen The Red... Uh, I don't know anything else about this director, but I've seen The Red Balloon a few times uh, when I was very, very young. Uh, it's a dialogueless film with the exception of uh, the little boy saying balloon um yeah it, it's a film i've seen it <laughs> i'm not gonna be buying this shit but it's kind of funny seeing it get a criterion release and it's like i saw that when i was like five <laughs> um we got a school days 35th anniversary edition coming to us on 4k from 1988 uh well how did they treat this disc they they treat this one well they they treat spike well yes they gave him a four out of five in terms of 4.5 out of five in terms of image quality so they they did not do spike lee dirty good on them uh we have 
Five Nights at Freddy's coming out on Blu-ray. Night Shift Edition. I don't know what the fuck that means, but if I had to guess, maybe there's like additional violence or or special effects. Who fucking knows? Uh, It it doesn't look like they detailed it there, and I'm not about to read it live for y'all. That would be boring. Um, We have Pollock. Uh, coming to us from Sony Pictures from the year 2000. Um, I don't know, I don't believe this actually has received a Blu-ray release, which is why I'm bringing it up, but this stars uh, Ed Harris as Jackson Pollock, uh, the abstract expressionist painter, uh, who I did a lot of research on at one point in my life. Uh, I have not actually seen this film, though. I seem to remember my mom telling me it was good. Uh, I like Ed Harris, a very intense performer, uh, probably a good choice for for that character for that person. Um, I would check that out. Not gonna be buying it though. Um, we have Running Scared coming to us from Kino. This is uh, from director Peter Hyams. I thought that looked familiar. Um, I brought this up when Kyle and I reviewed Time Cop just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I mentioned it as a Peter Hyams film. Funny, funny how the timing of these things works out. Just a couple weeks ago, I was talking about a Peter Hyams film, and I cited this film as a somewhat earlier one on his filmography that I would consider checking out. Uh, It's got people in it that interest me. And I think of Peter Hyams as generally a very competent filmmaker. Um, His stuff can, sometimes it doesn't quite nail it, um, but his films almost always look amazing. and yeah, they're they're never really bad. <laughs> like I know that feels like a backhanded compliment, but that you know, movies are hard to make, and he seems to know how to make them. So that you know that that's a compliment. Um, uh, funny enough, another one that uh, has been brought up on the podcast. Um, we have there's nothing out there coming to us from boutique label uh, Ronin Flicks. Uh, so this is a kind of like a, a, a horror comedy uh, from 1991 uh, it, it has a very it's very tongue-in-cheek it's very self-aware but remember this came out in 1991 so it's pre-scream um, and yeah this comes to us from director Rolf Konefsky um, and I did a solo review of this one I did not subject uh, Kyle to this one um, this is a fun little movie uh, in particular there's like one or two characters that are very well acted and 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 written again in 1991 the novelty factor was kind of through the roof because this wasn't super common at that time um yeah uh, it's super low budget so don't expect like like high production values or anything like that but it is a charming little horror comedy that if you're if you're into the self-aware aspects of it very much worth a watch um we have the House of Long Shadows coming to us from Kino. Uh, and this is uh, the movie that stars Vincent Price, Christopher Lee, and Peter Cushing, as well as John Carradine. And uh, hey, Desi Arnaz Jr. Holy shit. Um, yeah, quite the cast uh, for this, this little, I have to assume, kind of campy horror film of sorts. Have not seen it, have seen clips from it, but it's from 1983, so it's a little, a little further down the line than was the peak for many of these actors involved but all of them are immensely charming in their own right so i'm sure there's quite a lot of entertainment value to be derived from just watching those four legends of of horror uh, all on screen together 
Um, what else we got? Anything? Uh, we have Showdown at the Grand <laughs> uh, from 2023. So I see that title. I see that color palette. I see the and and I see that cast, and I instantly think of like bad times at the El Royale or whatever. That there are a lot of movies that have this naming convention and casting convention that I haven't seen any of them, but my bullshit detector goes off every time. Every time I see them, I'm like, is that a tax shelter film? Because it feels like a tax shelter film. <laughs> Um, anyway, I don't know a damn thing about it, but Terrence Howard's in it, so um, you know it's an offbeat production, uh, being as he's, as far as I know, not really welcome in mainstream cinema anymore, at least major studio films. Um, anything else we got here? You know what? I'm going to call it good on this week. There are some somewhat interesting titles I see here, but it's it's 5 30 in the morning and uh, i don't feel like getting into it so nope let's move on our next release date on the calendar is december 19th and our first major release comes in the form of jfk on 4k but this is a super duper special collector's edition um which as far as i understand uh includes two different cuts of the film uh, now, I do know there exists, I don't know if it's this version, but I do know that um, there exists a version of this that also includes um, Oliver Stone's recent documentary on the JFK assassination. Um, I haven't seen that. I have seen this film, JFK, from Oliver Stone from 1991, um, and it's quite good. I like it quite a lot. Um, the editing of it, I... I I can understand would be something that might drive some people nuts. Um, it, he was kind of experimenting with that kind of stuff in the nineties. Um, natural born killers is kind of the one that comes to mind that like leans into it the hardest, but this one has quite a lot of it, that same kind of like manic intensity as well. Um, but yeah, JFK is a very good film. Um, I would like to see it again. Uh, I would actually own this um, just because I'm, I, want an excuse to see it again and it might be interesting to like check like look into the making of aspect of it because it did have a huge cast and you know it's an interesting subject um i am not a conspiracy theorist by the way like i'm not that kind of person <laughs> so don't expect me to go off on a tangent if you're expecting me to go off on a tangent about jfk getting shot um sorry i don't have many thoughts um we have The Warriors coming to us on 4K, and this is being put out by Arrow, uh, so you have to imagine they did a very good job with it, as tends to be the case. Yeah, four and a half out of five. Uh, there is a, I have to imagine, like a, a hard cover, uh, a hard case, like super duper special edition uh, for their initial printings of The Warriors on 4K. Uh, I have seen this movie a few times uh, when I was a teenager, my brother kind of hyped it up for me. Uh, he got me interested in it because my brother has a way of like knowing exactly what to say to me to get me to get me interested in things. Uh, case in point, he got me to listen to heavy metal music uh, because he the way he put it to me was he was like, you know all those Mega Man games that you're obsessed with? I really liked Mega Man when I was a little kid. Mega Man was my guy uh, in the NES era. Not so much Mario. I was a Mega Man kid. Mega Man and Ninja Turtles. Anyway, 
he told me, you know that music in all those Mega Man games that you love? Well, imagine that when you listen to this. And then I think he put on like Judas Priest or Iron Maiden or something. And I was like, holy shit. They're, they're the same. Identical. Uh, and that kind of started me on the path to checking out more of that kind of music because I was like, yeah, this it worked for me in 8-bit form and this works for me probably even more. Um, anyway, the Warriors, similar kind of case. My brother told me that like Final Fight and Streets of Rage and all manner of like side-scrolling beat-em-up games that we would play at the arcade and at home and stuff, he said, yeah, the, those games were definitely inspired by this movie uh, and sure enough i checked it out and it's kind of hard to argue that it's like yeah this feels very double dragony at times <laughs> for sure very renegade um not the tv show the video game uh sorry uh tangent anyway um i've seen this one a couple of times i own it on dvd i think i may have sold it at some point but i've never seen it in hd let alone 4k and uh yeah i'd uh i i would consider picking this up um it's been so long since i watched it like not since i was a teenager comes to us from director walter hill by the way uh who's like a peter hyams but probably a little bit better <laughs> a very very competent filmmaker walter hill makes good shit um we have the dead zone coming to us on 4k this comes to us from scream factory perhaps just shout factory uh, I watched this movie for the first time uh, just a few months ago. Um, I know my buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. He's been doing a David Cronenberg uh, watch through of his entire filmography. Uh, I do remember he also checked this one out. I think he may have been watching it for like the second or third time or something. Um, so not his first viewing of that one. But I, I think at when Brad was mentioning that, it kind of inspired me to check it out on my own. Uh, this is a fun one. Uh, this is a good one. It's a very interesting combination of talent where you have uh, David Cronenberg directing a Stephen King story. Um, in 1983, that that carried a lot of weight on paper. Um, and the results are pretty good. It's a, it's a pretty solid thriller film. Um, and Christopher Walken's great in it. Um, just kind of serves as like a reminder of just how fucking talented he is when he chooses to be. Because he's so seemingly kind of a mercurial fellow <laughs> it's like you never know which one you're gonna get at least today anyway back in the day i think he was more straightforward but um yeah dead zone's good um we mentioned james cameron at the beginning of this episode and we're going to mention him again uh we have both avatar and avatar colon the way of water uh both coming out on 4k uh just to take a quick look at the uh specs here we got a 4.5 out of 5 for the first avatar and how did the second one do i have to imagine five yep five out of five in terms of image quality and audio quality uh obviously i've seen both of these films i do own both of them i have the uh extended version of avatar on blu-ray and the 4k of avatar way of water not this 4k um but the I guess the vanilla release, the initial release of it. Um, I think they're both pretty good. Um, first Avatar is pretty plain, like it's very vanilla, but I feel like that was that was intentional, where it was kind of like how can we how can we make this hit for everybody 
from every country, from every walk of life. We're not trying to make a sophisticated film that like probes too deeply into into themes and concepts. It's like let's keep this very surface level. Let's keep this very base, uh, so everybody can appreciate it. And I, the numbers don't lie; it worked. And same with goes for Avatar: Way of Water. Similar kind of approach to the storytelling. Um, but yeah, it, they're they're both really fun to look at, especially Way of Water. Holy shit! Uh, very very beautiful film in a lot of ways. Um, kind of interesting how they decide to end that one. Um, but we'll, we'll see where it goes or if it even goes. I mean, I, I have to assume they're, they're on track to, you know, start cranking these movies out. But, um, James Cameron's not a young man, I guess is what I'm, I'm saying. Um, yeah, I, I don't need to upgrade either of these, but it does look like they got treated very well, uh, on the format. Uh, we have Columbo seasons one through seven, so that's from 1968 to 1978, uh, coming to us from Kino. Uh, I think like Columbo is one of the more universally beloved fictional characters. Um, Peter Falk as uh, as Columbo. Um, I think most people, if they sit down and think about it, if they've been exposed to Columbo, probably love Columbo. Um, and I'm really fucking tired, by the way of people telling me that Poker Face, that that TV show that's currently airing, is basically a contemporary Columbo. I've heard that comparison made way too many times, and it's really starting to grate on me a little bit. But yeah, I, I mean, my, my dad had me watch some Columbos growing up. Um, just a few, not like, I wasn't like a religious follower of it or anything, but uh, I liked it. It's a terrific format, and Peter Flock is a, a tremendous performer. Um, and also, like all the the, uh, the heavy hitters they bring in to play the the killers in each of those those short films or films, I guess you'd call them. Um, some of them were really inspired and and really cool stuff. Uh, the verbal sparring that goes on in those films. I don't know if the girlfriend has seen Columbo, but she really ought to. I think she would love it. Um, I don't know if I would buy this, but. Colombo just puts a smile on my face when I think about it. Um, holy shit, yet another obscure little film uh, that I have covered on Catching Up on Cinema uh, within, I guess, the past year. This one not recently, but um, Underworld, which also goes by the title Transmutations. Um, this comes to us from Kino, and it's getting a full fucking 4K release. <laughs> Um, very interesting that they went with this cover art. It has the uh, the neon color palette that I, all the kids are into these days, so I guess they know their audience. They know who's paying for these things. Um, this is a Clive Barker uh, adapted film. So this is uh, based on a Clive Barker story, which I have not read, um, but it's directed by George Pavlou, and uh, this film is not very good. <laughs> it's not great. But uh, to give a little context, the reason I reviewed this movie, this very obscure little film, um, is because of the cover art. Uh, this cover that Kino went with is a, a, an original uh, commissioned piece of art um, that is actually more reflective of the content of the film. But the, the cover that I was exposed to in my youth that actually kind of spooked me um, was very, very different from this. It was like a a pockmarked man like a, a man with like pockmarks on his face and like a horrible visage um, reaching out to a, a woman uh, in a in a glass bottle it's like a tiny woman in a glass bottle 
um and kyle and i did an entire month um talking about vhs cover art we were talking about movies we were seeking out movies that we had not seen but we remembered having really striking covers and that was one of my picks uh underworld um so yeah uh this movie's not very good but now it exists on fucking 4k crazy world we live in uh we have the exorcist colon believer from 2023 coming to us on 4k i've heard this is terrible uh i've heard this is really fucking bad um i don't think i need to see this uh, although i have heard that there are plans to make a fucking trilogy out of this uh, this comes to us from david gordon green uh, who of course gave us the most recent uh trilogy of halloween films uh halloween the franchise films um and yeah, I guess on the strength of the box office return of those three films, uh, th- he was pushed onto The Exorcist. And uh, yeah, um, I've heard this is straight garbage. <laughs> Not interested. Moving on. Uh, we have Savage Guns, four classic westerns. Uh, we have I Want Him Dead, El Puro, Wrath of the Wind, and Four of the Apocalypse. I have heard of none of these. I have to assume they are Italian. Um, that comes to us from Arrow. Uh, we also have a Shaw Brothers Classics box set coming to us uh, from Shout Factory. So these titles range from 1980 to 1984. I do not know what is happening in the world of Chinese cinema, um, but apparently the distribution rights are up for grabs because we have just been inundated with Hong Kong and Chinese releases from like the 80s and 90s uh, in the past couple of years of uh, Blu-ray distribution in, in my region. Um Speaking of which, uh, we have three, uh, category three Hong Kong films. Um, category three is basically like hard R, like I get, I'm not sure if you'd call it like a straight up, like X rated film, but it's a particularly like hard edged brand of like R rated film, uh, from Hong Kong. Uh, so these ones, uh, these ones make my butthole clench. Um, these are the men behind the sun films. Uh, so there are three of them. There's, uh, from 1988 to 1994. Uh, it's, uh, men behind the sun, men behind the sun Two: laboratory, of the devil and men behind the sun three, a narrow escape. Um, if you're not aware, these films are about, uh, some real life shit, um, where, uh, the Imperial Japanese military, um, was doing, kind of like Joseph Mengele style like experiments on on the Chinese uh, civilian population uh, in like prison camp type scenarios um, these movies are kind of like grand Guignol like exploitation examinations of all that business uh, I've heard they're pretty fucked up um, I mean if if that's the story that you're working from it it's inevitable that's going to enter into fucked up territory uh, but yeah, just thinking about these movies kind of makes my uh, my butthole clench. Um, yeah, yikes. I I don't know if I would own these, um, but I'm sure my buddy Brad already does. <laughs> um, he's into fucked up shit. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we need to do another fucked up shit month here at Catching Up on Cinema, and we should probably invite him, being as he's kind of an expert on it in the world of cinema anyway. Uh, we have Pet Cemetery colon Bloodlines on 4K. This comes to us uh, from Paramount Pictures, and uh, it's contemporary release, 2023, uh, directed and written by Lindsay Beer. Uh, don't know who that is, but um, 
I seem to remember this came out directly on Paramount Plus, or perhaps Peacock or something. I mean, being as it's a Paramount release, I have to assume Paramount, but I think it went like direct to streaming. Uh, and yeah, I was getting bad vibes from it. Uh, I don't remember if I actually know anyone who's seen it. I, I don't know this movie's reputation, but I do remember seeing it fart out onto the internet and being a little confused, like, why? <laughs> um, we have the retirement plan, which I'm only bringing up because uh, it comes to us from Vertical Entertainment, by the way. Uh, we have uh, Nicolas Cage looking like fucking Kenny Rogers <laughs> or some shit on the cover. Uh, he's really the only reason I'm bringing it up. Um, he, he does have a certain amount of cachet. Um, stars Nicolas Cage, Ashley Green, Jackie Earl Haley. That's a name I've not heard since. Uh, and hey, Ernie Hudson and Ron Perlman. That's kind of cool. I like both of them. I don't know a damn thing about this movie. I just know it's a contemporary Cage film. So somebody out there uh, will probably blind by it. Um, and I think... I think I'm just going to skip on down to... A late, oh, I will point out the uh, the Battle Kaiju series, Volume 2. Ultraman vs. Alien Balton. Balton Seijin. Um is getting released on this date. Um, the only reason I bring it up is that I was actually gifted a volume one um, for Christmas uh, from my mom. My mom knows I like Ultraman. That's how you know she's my mom. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is the second volume. Basically, it's a compilation disc uh, wherein they uh, Mill Creek packages all of uh, all the instances where Ultraman and Bolton, uh, Alien Bolton, uh, threw threw down with each other over the over the years. So not just from the original 1966 television series, but like every Ultraman series that Mill Creek has the rights to. Okay, so I think we've arrived at the final week of December 23. 23. Thank God it is 5:30 in the morning. Uh, so I'm a little bit loopy. Uh, we got um, the Man in the Iron Mask coming to us on 4K. Uh, this is from 1998. Uh, star uh, directed by Randall Wallace, stars Leo DiCaprio, Jeremy Irons, John Malkovich, Gerard Depardieu, and uh, Gabriel Byrne. Um, I have seen this. I actually feels kind of bad, man. I actually can't remember if we reviewed this for the podcast. I know, I know, we did um, the Three Musketeers uh, from a few years earlier, the the Disney uh, live action film. Um, cause Kyle loves that movie. He's seen it many, many times. And in fact, whenever I post clips of the podcast, I use the theme song from it as our stinger. Um, but I don't actually remember if we've done the man, the iron mask. Uh, if not, we probably should. Um, this is, I have only seen this movie very recently. Um, it was pretty good. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think of it as a classic by any means, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, we have Last Man Standing um, from 1996. This is a Bruce Willis, like, um, I think it's like a 1920s uh, gangster film. Um, and I believe the story goes, this is a adaptation of Yojimbo, the Akira Kurosawa film. Uh, and this is, oh, funny enough, a Walter Hill, a Walter Hill directed film. Uh, I have not seen this one, but I kind of have always wanted to. Uh, mostly because I remember the trailers for it. Like I remember seeing commercials and I remember 
seeing this box art all the time uh, in the video store when I was a kid, but I have never actually seen this movie. Uh, I will say uh, this uh, contemporary packaging from Shout Factory is god-awful. Um, the, co- the choice of the colors and the font in particular, uh, and even the composition, is pretty fucking bad. Um, I, not a fan. Uh, the design of that is no bueno. Um, okay, uh, so this is the part where we get into like vinegar syndrome stuff, and I get really confused as to who's doing what or what I should actually give a shit about. So I'm just going to throw some titles out there. Hopefully you care, because I don't. Uh, we have Benny's Bathtub, 1971. The Mysterious Castle in the Carpathians. Uh, Pig Killer. The Blue Jean Monster. King on Screen. The Killing of Bobby Green. I don't know why I'm reading this in the cadence of Noah Caldwell Gervais. Uh, if you know who that is, um, congratulations. Uh, you are a fan of somebody that I'm a fan of. Uh, look him up. He's on YouTube. He's great. Uh, the Inspector Wears Skirts. Uh, that's actually one that I am familiar with. That's an 88 Films release. This is a, a Hong Kong action film uh, with Cynthia Rothrock, who just cannot be stopped in recent years like her entire filmography is destined to be published on blu-ray at some point by every publisher that exists um it's truly incredible how many cynthia rothrock films we get from month to month um i don't think i'd be picking that one up but i have heard it's a fun one uh nicholas cage has another film from last year uh called butcher's crossing if memory serves uh no this is not the one i'm thinking of anyway i don't know a damn thing about this one but it came out last year it's called butcher's crossing stars nick cage looking cold uh we have oh uh some anime that i actually can say something about Uh, a common thing that happens here on a catching up on cinema is uh or catching up on blu-ray rather is a there are a fuck ton of japanese animation releases uh from month to month on the on the release calendar but there's only a few from month to month that I actually know anything about or have anything to say about. Um, so I apologize if uh, I gloss over or don't even bother to mention like something that you, the listener, uh, are heavily invested in. It just it's just because I'm I'm not heavily invested in Japanese animation these days. Most of the stuff I know, there's like a cutoff period. Like if it's not from the mid two thousands and backwards. I probably don't know it and I probably don't care about it, <laughs> but I do know a lot of the old stuff. Uh, so when that stuff comes out, I can say something about it and we have some old stuff. So I'm going to point out now, uh, we have fist of the North star, the legends of the true savior legend of Rao chapter of fierce fighting. That is the title. Um, this is on Blu-ray. This is coming to us from discotech media who I can confirm do very good work when it comes to uh, putting out their discs. The image quality and the subtitle quality is always top notch. Um, this is a 2007 uh, like full length feature film um, that basically covers one of the like the later chapters, like the final chapters of the original Fist of the North Star story. Not Fist of the North Star 2 with Kaio and all that business, but like the, the Rao story, the, the Ken the Ken and Rao story. Uh, this is the wrap-up to that in theatrical film form, so condensed, um, which is absolutely not the ideal way to tell the story. Um, but if all you're looking for is like slightly better animation quality um, and you know contemporary animation co- techniques, 
um, then this is a good shortcut to getting that story. Um, this has to be like the third release in this series because I know they did. Uh, I know they did the Souther movie. Souza. Uh, they did the Souther movie. Um, I think they did a couple like side stories about uh, Toki and some some of the other characters as well. And I think this was the conclusion of the of this arc of, of this era of fist of the north star adaptations I, I saw clips of it i actually haven't seen this one front to back but i i do i have seen the the, the first one of these the one with Souther. uh we have uh, rupan the third seven days rhapsody from 2006 have not seen that one but rupan is a uh, he's a he's a fucking institution in in anime like he, he will never die rupan there will always be a rupan um we have uh, Blue Comet SPT Lazner. Uh, Lazner is one of those uh, 1980s uh, anime that I haven't seen. I love the theme song, though. I'll say that much. That's all I know about it is the, the mecha designs. I know this is the one where the cockpit is in the head of the mech, and it looks really funny because it looks like it has like a fishbowl for a head, uh, and, you, and you can see like a little dude sitting in the fucking thing's head, so it looks kind of goofy. Um, but the theme song is a banger. Check it out. Um, and we also have Muzinger Z uh, from 1972 to 1974. Uh, so that's the, I believe this is Gol Nagai. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, it is. Uh, this is the Gol Nagai uh, Super Robots uh, animation uh, from the 70s. It's a classic. Uh, it's been made and remade countless times over the years um, in many forms of animation. Uh, but this is the OG. Uh, but this is volume two, by the way. Uh, so it's the second half, I guess, of the series. Uh, and you know what? I think I'm going to call it good because nothing else here is really jumping out at me. Uh, so uh, now comes the... Oh, I will point out that uh, the Congress uh, looks like it has been released previously. So never mind. It looks like... Uh, Drafthouse Films is putting out another release of The Congress, which is a film that on paper from 2013 sounded very interesting to me. Uh, look it up. <laughs> anyway, I haven't actually seen it, though. Uh, anyway, here comes the fun part of the show, uh, where I get to trace my retrace my steps backwards through the calendar and just call out any titles that I think I might be picking up this month uh, for whatever reason. Uh, so... Let's see here. You know it's good when it's taking me this long to find something. <laughs> uh, the Men Behind the Sun, I, I'm probably not going to be owning those, but I might urge Brad to check them out for me by proxy. <laughs> it's because I know he's into fucked up shit, and I've heard they are truly fucked up movies. If only, if only just because of the subject matter. I can't speak for the eg like the execution. I have to imagine these are low-budget films, so whatever hor horrible imagery gets put up on the screen in them might have some jank factor to it that like lessens the impact of it. But just knowing that some of this is like based on real stuff that happened, um, it feels bad, man. Like it, it feels bad. Um, JFK is a maybe. Warriors is a maybe. So we got two maybes. Um, the creator uh, sunk itself when I saw it. Um, I was prepared to blind buy that, but 
no more. Um, no, absolutely not going to put that on my shelf. That movie was not good. Sorry. Um, face off. That's a, that's a gimme. I'm getting that. So that's at least one confirmed. I'm going to get face off on 4k. I've been waiting a long time for that. Haven't seen it in a long time. Girlfriend hasn't seen it at all. It belongs on my shelf. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny will happen. I don't know when, but it's like fine, fine indie. You can come. Like shit, <laughs> I I'm not excited about it. I'm not excited to revisit it. But I have the other four. If I have Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in my home, I need to have Dial of Destiny in my home. It just that's just unfair. Uh, and Titanic, uh, James Cameron's Titanic. Yeah, I think it's a great film. I haven't seen it in a long time. Girlfriend hasn't seen it at all. Makes perfect sense to bring it into the home. Uh, and, you know, I've heard it's really, really great on 4K. Like, the, the reviews make sure to point out that's like, we're giving this a 5, but this might be like gold standard 5. So pretty excited about that. Anyway, that's about it for this edition of Catching Up on Blu-ray. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, here today at uh, 5 30 in the morning <laughs> um, it's about seven ish now um anyway uh if you'd like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content you can find all the collected on our website at catching up on cinema.com you see that was a yawn just now but i decided to power through it so if you didn't understand that tough shit I'm not repeating myself um and if you'd like to uh reach out to me on the social medias you can find us on the instagram at catching up on cinema as well as the twitter slash x they are actually calling it x um at catching cinema so feel free to hit me up at either of those uh and the platform uh, the podcast excuse me uh is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine including bitcade uh so fucking google it and that being said thank you so much for listening uh happy new year uh and we'll catch you next time